Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. Coming up at a fun episode with a good guest named Mary Olson, an old college friend of mine. Before we get going, just want to touch on a few things. First off, you know, the long hiatus here for the podcast. It's been a little while since I was able to get an episode up. There's been a number of reasons for that. You know, first off, you know, settling, just settling into married married life. Got married back in May with my new wife. We, were, we moved out to Arizona together. Um, you know, I actually lost my job last month. That was fun. I could talk a little bit about that, you know, just... When you lose your job so unexpectedly, so suddenly, um, really LinkedIn was my best friend. You know, did a ton of networking through LinkedIn, met a number of recruiters, met a number of different contacts, good professional networking stuff. Just really helpful to utilize LinkedIn to its fullest capacity and was able to find a job within a week. So it ended up being a blessing in disguise. You know, I found a good position, a great fit where I am now. And I'm looking forward to the future there. But it was it was very shocking and you know sudden and and stressful and chaotic. The whole situation with you know losing your job, looking getting thrusted into the job market, and luckily I, I was able to land on my feet pretty nicely. And uh, it worked out pretty well, but that was definitely a delay with, you know, just this personal passion project of the Vicious Talk podcast, um, you know, ended up causing some delays with that. And then, you know, I also got, I got a stomach flu last week and and I had I have a number of podcasts recorded now working on the audio editing to get them up for you. This is going to be the first of I got I got about three podcasts recorded already and working on getting them kind of published and, and and out to you guys for you to listen but this first one's gonna be a good one with mary i think we talk about a lot of fun things that are definitely worthwhile listens and before we get going as well i haven't been able to post a podcast since my favorite team my, my favorite basketball team the clippers got eliminated so i want to just touch briefly on that because you know as, as a lot of listeners know i'm a clippers fan and i would be remiss to say that this clipper season wasn't the most exciting and the most successful Clipper season in the franchise's history. The first Western Conference Finals appearance for the franchise. Really just can't be more proud of the organization from how far they've come. I mean, a lot of people like to just bag on the Clippers and rightfully so. I mean, they have a very mixed history full of racism and embarrassment, terrible draft selections, just disappointments abound with the Clippers organization in general and their history. But this year, there's nothing you could say that Clippers fans haven't heard at this point. And there's nothing truly a Clippers fan could hear about this team from this season that is going to you know, make you feel disappointed with how things turned out with this team. Because, I mean, really, we lost, we lost one of the best five players in the league. Undoubtedly, Kawhi Leonard is a top five player in the NBA. And we still went on to beat the number one seed in the Western Conference. And then they also competed very very admirably against the Phoenix Suns and a Suns team that looks, you know, poised for an NBA championship. Although the NBA finals in itself has been really exciting. Glad that Giannis is back and had a great game three, great game two. They cleaned up short on that one, but they, you know, they go into Milwaukee, make it two one in the series. Now Um, really looking forward to the, the, the closeout of that series, but the Clippers get back to them, you know, really just happy with the way things turned out with them. And there's really no complaints here. Um, I think that the biggest thing it really is the culture that the franchise has now established really dates back to 2019 and and that underdog season where they really established a good postseason run with Shea Gilgis Alexander really almost threatened to upset the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant, his last season there. Um, And this, this team has a very upward trajectory going forward, you know, 
Balmer being one of being the richest owner in in North American sports. He's one of the I think they I saw a stat that said he's one of the nine or so people now in the world that's worth over a hundred billion dollars. So he, the Clippers have a very they have deep pockets. They have a very bright future ahead of them. Um, and we'll see how things play out. Really, just the only thing that could go wrong at this point would be if Kawhi Leonard didn't come back, and I, I, I think that's very unlikely. So we'll see how that goes as well. Other than that, you know, Major League Baseball they have the All Star break right now. Coming, I'm coming to you recording this after the oh, the the night of the home run derby for baseball. Pete Alonso put on a, an absolute show. The guy is incredibly strong. Just complete the definition of country strong. Just <laughs> he had. Complete control of the entire event from round one on. And really impressive showing from him. But there was a lot of great performances in the in the home run derby besides Alonzo. I mean, Alonzo set the bar incredibly high, but everybody came up very, very close to reaching it. I mean, Mancini in the finals, but reaching him, I mean, coming back from, coming back from colon cancer from just last year and putting on a show of his own. Very impressive. Had power to o- opposite way, all fields. Really just an impressive showing from a guy that is a prime candidate for comeback player of the year this season, uh, likely going to get it. And the 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 first round matchup that everybody was ogling and was looking forward to seeing was the, the Juan Soto-Shohei Otani matchup. And that did not disappoint. They went to two swing-offs. They had to do a, uh, the second one was the best of three. Um, Soto home run on all three pitches and then Otani grounding out on the first pitch and not being able to um, you know match him but 28 home runs from Otani 30 from Soto uh, 31 from Soto and couldn't I, w- I was very happy with the way things turned out for Otani honestly as an Angels fan I didn't really want to see him to w- win the competition because we saw how exhausted Otani was just through getting through that first round he has a big day tomorrow in the All-Star game starting pitching in the first inning and he's leading off playing DH. He's actually going to be able to stay in the ball game after coming out from, uh, from pitching, which is a unique kind of twist. Major League Baseball made a, a special exception for with him. So looking forward to definitely looking forward to seeing how that game plays out tomorrow. It's an, it's going to be an exciting event and it seems like all eyes are going to be on Shohei Otani um, and, and rightfully so. The guy has been an absolute phenom animal the second coming of babe ruth and he it it's it's unbelievable it's it's there's just uh, there's no words at this point that you could say that can depict what this guy has done it's truly unprecedented um and the whole thing with Stephen a came out today where he was talking about how he needs an interpreter and it's it's disappointing or it's difficult for baseball to market him because of that is just ridiculous. It, it, I'm going to give it no no time and no thought to that. I mean, really, you're nitpicking at that point if you're trying to find things negative about Otani because there's nothing negative about what Otani's doing this season. There's nothing bad that the guy has done. He's the most likable guy in the sport essentially at this point. I mean, there's nothing. He's so polite. He's not only going to beat your ass and, and you know pitch be, beat you in a sub- submission with both his pitching and his hitting. He's also going to be very nice to you while you do it. And so there's nothing to dislike about the guy. And it's very impressive to see what he's done this season. So as an Angels fan, I, I could not be more um, excited to see how, you know what Trout and Otani can do together going forward over the next few years. Hopefully, you know they they drafted ten college pitchers in in the MLB draft this 
so far this season on the draft going over the last two days. And I think it's just a sign that the Angels are really going to make a concerted effort to try to improve their pitching staff, which is clearly their weakest link in the organization at this at this um, you know junction in the franchise's history right now. So we'll see how that goes. The trade deadline with baseball coming up. A lot of big names possibly on the move. Trevor Story was one of the home run derby con- uh, participants. Possibly, uh, you know, he's the big name that everybody's got their eye on. Uh, Trevor Story hopefully can go to a good contender. Another guy that I wanted to touch on before we get to Mary was a, a big name that could potentially be moved. I, I think it, it's it's less likely, but it's it would be extremely interesting to see if the New York Yankees were to do this as Aaron Judge. Because Aaron Judge, obviously, two years ago, with or three years ago, actually, was just a, a, a rookie that broke onto the scene, became the instant, like, a lot of people wanted to crown him the face of baseball. And, you know, a lot of injuries over the last few seasons, a lot of, you know, mixed results you know the the Yankees did make it to the American League Championship Series with him but they they ended up losing to the Astros and I think Aaron Judge would be a, a very interesting name for the New York Yankees to consider trading because the Yankees have a lot of old players a lot of not a lot not a lot of optimism to be to get excited about with the New York Yankees going forward and Judge is a guy who already has a mixed injury past he's a big dude it's not likely that he's going to get healthier as his career progresses. And I think the Yankees, you know, it's it's not the the smart move from a market stand, uh, standpoint. You know, they're making money still. They're the New York Yankees. They're the most profitable sports business in North America. And judges their their market most marketable player. And if they want to continue to make more money, sell more seats, you don't tra- you don't trade a guy like that. But if they want to be successful on the field, if they want to win championships once again and regain that pedigree that the New York Yankees have, you know that history of twenty seven championships. I think trading a guy like Aaron Judge and restocking their farm system, restocking their talent pool, getting younger, getting faster, more athletic. I think trading a guy like Aaron Judge could do that for them. And so we'll see what they do. I, I think it's less likely that tr- they trade him, but it'd be interesting. And it, it, I think it'd behoove them to do so. All right. That's enough of my rambling. Uh, let's get to the podcast here. Mary Olson again is the guest. We talk about Cape Cod minor league baseball with her fiance, Donovan Casey, who by the way is doing fantastic in the Dodgers double a farm system right now. He's playing in uh, for the Tulsa drillers in the Dodgers double a system. And he's having a great season. And we talk briefly about Mary's experience with Donovan, you know, experiencing the, the minor league game. And, um, you know, we, we have a good conversation about a lot of just Mary's unique baseball experiences as well as her professional experience as a school teacher. And I think it's a, a definitely a career path that a lot of young college students keep in the back of their minds and consider, um, you know, coming out of college. So we talk about some of the stuff that she's done as well there. Really fun conversation with Mary. Mary, thanks again for, for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate you doing it. Without further ado, episode 68 of Vicious Talk with Betty P. Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. Exciting new guest coming up here for episode 68 of the podcast here. An old friend of mine from the Holy Cross, class of 2016. 
a native of Burlington, Vermont. She's per- currently a primary school teacher in Newton, Massachusetts, living out of Boston. She act, uh, One of the main reasons I wanted to bring her on today was she has a lot of uh, unique experiences in the sport of baseball. She was a former concessions manager and public relations intern at the Cape Cod Baseball League. It's a very popular baseball league, co- collegiate league out of the Cape Cod, Massachusetts area. Welcome to the podcast, Mary Olson, for the first time. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Uh, it's, you know, Mary and I were friends in college and we haven't, you know, besides, you know, the Instagram posts and Snapchat and uh-huh. stuff, we haven't really been keeping up too much. It's, it's tough sometimes about, you know, staying in touch with some friends that, I mean, we, we were we were good friends, but we weren't like, we were not like in the same friend groups all the time and stuff like that. So uh-huh. it's, I, that's yeah, one of my favorite things about this podcast is being able to catch up with, with old friends like yourself. Uh-huh. And it's been five years since we graduated this totally. week. So right. Is it was it this week? I don't I think this was our five year reunion reunion. It got um postponed or canceled because of COVID. But yeah. Five no, years. Another another negative thing coming out of the pandemic there. I know. <laughs> it's too bad. I know. Um, Mary, thank you so much for joining me. Like I said, one of the main reasons um, I, I thought about Mary when I was thinking of new guests for the podcast was Ma- Mary uh, had an older brother named Bill, and I played baseball with Bill a lot um, at Holy Cross on the club team. And Mary, I, I, through our conversations and just our experiences at Holy Cross, I learned a lot about how she you know, had a really a unique love for the sport of baseball. And she has a lot of cool experiences that I was like, you know, I never really got a chance to ask Mary a lot about the experiences she she has and I, I would love to bring her on and talk about it and so that was you know i was like you know let me reach out to her and see if she's uh, interested and i was really excited that you're willing to join on on the podcast of course of course yeah. cool so let's start there mary um let me ask you like your origin story with with you know the sport of baseball who who exposed you to it like what was your original uh akinness towards it like why were you drawn to this sport yeah so actually <clears throat> I grew up summering in Cape Cod, which is, as you said, where the Cape Cod Baseball Mm -hmm. League uh, takes place. And my dad got me into um, doing the baseball camps there since I was really young. I was one of the only girls that would ever do the camp. Yeah. Um, There's a couple of camps. I love those. They're so fun. Yeah. So it was like a bunch of the the college guys who were on the team would come together um, in the mornings during the week and we would do baseball camp with them. And it just, it was so fun. I was there with my brother and some of my friends and, um, I did it every, every weekday, all summer, every summer. Um, so I think it was really my dad that got me into it. He loved baseball and, and then, um, Were you guys Sox fans up, growing up? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, my brother and, uh, my dad were huge Sox fans. So then I became one as well. Um, and yeah, I haven't been keeping track of the Red Sox as much now because um, I have a couple other teams to pay attention to with Donovan. Of course. But of course. Yeah. Yeah. I was a huge Sox fan. Very cool. Um, so you ended up working with the Cape Cod League. Then you went you went to concessions originally. What what age were you when you started to do that? And how did you do you remember anything about like the, the beginnings of you know that experience? Yeah, I think I had just finished eighth grade and I was going into high school and my parents were like, you need to get a job. And I, I interviewed there and typical parents got to get, got to get a summer job. (laughs) Right up. No party in Cape Cod all summer. (laughs) Uh Okay. So I started working there um, and I loved it. I met some great friends there who are lifelong friends and I worked there for a couple of years and then they asked me to be the manager. So I was there 
into college actually managing the concession stand. Um, and it was, it was awesome. Like the games get so packed. Um, the line for the concession stand is like <laughs> down the street and around the corner. Literally, it's just so crowded. And it's just such a, as much as you're like running around sweating, like trying to make the popcorn and serve the guests and everything. Um, it's such a good feeling and it's, it's just such a magical place to be. So it was a fun summer job to have like my whole high school and into college. What field life. were you at for the Cape? Uh, at Veterans Field in Chatham. Okay. So that was the Chatham Anglers. The Anglers. What, did you have, mm-hmm. did, you, did you ever get a chance to like see any really like neat players that are really like cool players that come, came through the team? Yeah. So when we were younger, my brother and I were probably like 10 and 12, maybe um, when we were doing baseball camp, we had Evan Longoria oh, wow. and he was awesome. He really took my brother under his wing when he was, I mean, my brother was a young kid at the time and he was so kind to him and he just like really stood out to our family and he gave my brother like his batting gloves at the end of the season and a couple other things. So now I'll see Evan Longoria like and all his successes and things like that. And I'm like, he's a really great guy. (laughs) I remember meeting him. I have a picture with him. That's so cool. It's cool how yeah. those types of small things like, the, you know, gave him his batting gloves, had a, a conversation with him when you're a kid, like those types of experiences, big leaguers, you know, learn that those types of things really change like youth, youth's lives, like kids' lives. Um, exactly. It and makes they them don't, love the game. Exactly. It means so much to the to the person that they're totally. um, talking to. Also, we had Chris Bryant was on the um, oh, Chatham Anglers. A- I remember him being just so, so sweet, so kind. Um really nice to the kids. Um, I was a little older then, but he was really good to the bat boys that were on the team. (laughs) He was a good guy too. Very cool. I remember um, Longoria is actually from a town near where I grew up in in Southern California, near near Los Angeles. I think I had like, I had a friend of a friend who was like dating him at the time in high high school or something. Yeah. I I hear the same things about him. Really great guy. And I've I've heard a lot of, I mean, I don't have a lot of personal experience with Chris Bryant, but I do hear like just as a fan, you know what? He's a great, great dude as well. So yeah, that's really neat though. When you see guys before, you know, they're come up before they're stardom, before they get that, you know, it's big paychecks in the big leagues, you get to see them, you know, just be humble ball players, you know, grinding in a summer league having fun with the community. Um, I think that's a really unique experience, kind of like, like you're, you're kind of like baking awesome baseball experiences into one summer, just the way that whole, that whole community comes around that, that Cape Cod league. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really memorable. And I think from what I've heard from different players who I've actually become friends with is it's just like the most memorable summer of their lives there. Awesome. There, were, do, are there any like favorite parts you can think of or experiences you could think of you had while, you know, being, be, you know, grinding those, those or being at those summer ball games? Yeah. I mean, something about it is just so magical. Like it's very old school. Like they're all the uniforms are very old school. They, they're the only one of the only, or maybe the only one bat league in, mm-hmm. um, the college level. So it's just like very old school and the fields are high school fields for the most part. So it's like, there's not like huge stadiums. There's just tons of fans like packed onto the, into the grass. And like, um, I remember reading somewhere that it's like a Norman Rockwell painting. Cause it's just like the sunsets are like painted and the, the fans well, just crowd. Exactly. <laughs> And, uh, it's just, it really is like something magical. I don't even know how to describe it really, but it's like this old school, like old America baseball. Um, and then there's like the fog outs in Cape Cod where there's so much fog that you can't even see the outfielders. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. So they'll have to delay the game because there's too much fog. And sometimes you'll bring the in the giant fans. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So they call it pea soup. Oh, uh, man. So yeah, it's just, it's just, there's something about it. That's really special. That's really cool. Um, yeah. For, for the Cape Cod league though, like do you have being there for as long as you were, what kind of you, you like relationship do you think that the league ends up having with the community? Because there's a unique uh, community of, you know, locals who are there. Usually it's, it's summer. It's a summer town. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all, obviously a lot more popular in the summer. But what kind of un- relationship do the locals who are there almost every summer have with the league worth where there's guys coming in, you know, there's new guys typically every summer? Yeah, um, I think one of the biggest things for that is um, that the guys stay with host, host families. So um, like, for example, we were a host family for maybe like five to eight years and we had two guys living with us in the, in our basement and it just like really connects you to the, to the team. I think it, it brings in the community because they become family. They really do. Um, they're living at your house. They like, we had two guys that lived with us one summer and they became our best friends and they like call my (laughs) grandmother, Nana. They, you know, they visited us and they just like love our family so much. So I really think that's a huge part of connecting the team um, in the league to the community because it brings in regular people who are there for the summer who might have like some retired people might have an extra room in their house and they just want some exciting things going on. And that's awesome to like bring in a couple guys, like help them out and um, make them feel at home. So I think that that has been a huge part for us because we've met so many um, people who we never would have met before and who are now like some of our good, good friends. That's really neat. It, I mean, yeah. my favorite types of relationships are sports relationships. That's why I'm really mm-hmm. passionate about sports in general. Baseball, obviously my favorite sport as well. Uh, I just think that the types of relationships you build from, you know, being in a sports community are very unique and, and, and like, they're just not like any other types of relationships that you build in your, in your life. They're just different because the, the traits that you, and the things that you pursue in sports are just different there there's not a lot of negativity in terms of what you're striving for as a team it's it's just all about you know the successes of the team and trying to enjoy the experience as much exactly. as possible it's so genuine it's it's not yeah there's no like selfishness about it you know what i mean yeah totally so in in the cape cod league though like there are there's got to be a great mix of guys who are there and, and super proud to just be in Cape Cod and playing in that, you know, uh, what do you call it? Premier league in the, in the country. Mm-hmm. Basically it's such a special experience that so many collegiate players just always strive for their whole lives basically. But then there's also guys that are there because they know that they're preparing for, you know, the big leagues So you know, they're going to be there and, and get MLB scouts going there to the ball games and they're going to be watched for the next level in the sport. Is there kind of a bat or what have you ever observed that? Like, are there MLB scouts at the games? Is there, is there ever like, like kind of when like a, a you could tell a player is going to be hitting that next stage if he hits a big home run are there like big gasps or just like people going crazy for that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, there's definitely scouts at the games, especially like when the summer gets into like the, the heart of the summer, like July, um, beginning of August, there's, you can see like tons of scouts they are all behind the, um, home plate, like with their radar guns and things like that. Um, and I think you can kind of tell, like, um, obviously they're all pretty elite being in the Cape league, but I think you can kind of tell who, who the guys are that they're really looking at. And, um, 
yeah, the crowds, the crowds are awesome. It's, it's kind of a bummer that last year it was canceled because it feels like almost like yeah. a, a dream to me because I haven't been in so long, it feels like, but the crowds are just insane. They get huge and they're just, they get so into the game. Um, and it's funny because a lot of those people that are there are only visiting for like a week or two yeah. and they are just like so into it. They're like cheering for their home team and yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. So you ended up growing from concessions into an internship that was in college. Did you, did you intern there in college? Yeah, I think that was my junior year of okay. college. What was that like? Um, what was that? I mean, obviously yeah. a different experience. What kind of responsibilities were you doing with that? What was that like? Yeah. So that was for the whole league. Um, okay. I was an intern for the whole Cape Cod uh, baseball league. And for that, I, first I covered the MLB draft, which was really fun because oh, a wow. couple people that I knew what got year drafted. Was that? Um, was that 20, 2016 okay. or t- 2015, maybe it was 2016, one of those years yeah. then, huh? Okay. Yeah. Was, or, was that the Chris Bryant draft? No, I don't think so. Okay. I can't exactly remember. I want to say it was 2016, but, okay. um, I remember knowing a couple people that got drafted, but basically what I was supposed to do is, um, cover, um, just any Cape league player that had gotten drafted awesome. um, during the first so like cool. 10 rounds, I think. Yeah. Um, so that was fun, but it was a lot, especially in the <laughs> first like three or four rounds, I was like tweeting out like every five <laughs> minutes, like, okay, another player got drafted. Um, oh, so I that bet. was cool. And then my other job was just basically to go around and meet players and kind of get interesting stories about them. Not necessarily baseball related, but like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, like a cool hobby that this player has um, or like an interesting like background story about where they grew up and um, just kind of get like interesting tidbits about certain players that you might not see just watching them on the field and reading their stats and things like that. Were you publishing those stories? Yeah, they were published in um, like the Cape Cod Baseball Magazine. Yeah, really cool. And you still do you still showcase that work? I do sometimes. Yeah. I was, um, a creative writing, uh, con it was my concentration in college. So I really like to write. That's really neat. I didn't know you did that. Yeah. That's, that's like, that's really cool. That's a really cool experience. What made Thank you kind you. of, yeah, what made you kind of think that you wanted to go from what, what made you want to get into this internship that you were at? Um, I actually, I kind of wanted to see if it was something I wanted to pursue. Um, like did you, I said, did I you really learn about writing. it when you were there? Like, you know, just being around the league. Yeah, kind of just like the, a few years prior to getting the internship, I had heard about it and a couple, one of my friends did it. So, um, I thought, you know, I should try it, see if it's something I want to get into because I love sports too. And, um, I love to write. So I was like, maybe I'll try this, see if it's something I want to pursue. Yeah. That's so cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, I've dabbled a little bit in the sports writing, um, field as well. It's just, it's a blast to just kind of write about things that you enjoy. I mean, obviously in school you write, you find topics that you're, I find that my best papers were always in the topics that you enjoy writing about, but there's nothing I enjoy more than sports. So, you know what I mean? Like, so you're writing about something that the paper just flows way easier. You know what I mean? Is, is that kind of what you experienced too? Yeah. And it was fun to kind of like you incorporate like his stats and things like that, but you also find these interesting stories about totally. them that nobody else knows. And that part's pretty fun. Do you remember too. any of them? Oh, <laughs> I can't remember. It's been, it's been so long, huh? <laughs> it's been a while. It's been almost five years, but, um, I do remember one of them was like some kind of weird talent that he had. 
I'll have to go back and, and pull out the old Definitely. books and find out what Yeah, was. post those and, and I'll share them. I, I would want to see that. That'd be cool. Okay. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So you have a fiance now named Donovan Casey. And did you meet Donovan in the, at Cape Cod? Yes. So Very cool. he, Tell me about this. Um, yeah. So I was at a friend's house and he was there and we met there while he was playing for the Chatham Anglers. Um, but did you see he, a play before you met him? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. I had just graduated college and I was doing other things. Um, but I, I just happened to meet him and I was like, I knew that my grandpa had had him in class as a professor at BC. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, and I, my grandpa, um, is very well known in, by the athletes at BC because he loves to talk with them about sports and stuff. His name's professor Monahan. So he's a little bit, those are the best professors. Those are the best ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I actually connected with Donovan over that. I said like, you know, I think my grandpa had you in his class and, um, we just talked about that a little bit and then, um, we got to know each other and halfway through the summer, my grandpa was like, you have to meet this awesome guy named Donovan Casey. I was like, I already met grandpa, but thank you. Yeah. That's so funny. You so say your grandpa was trying to set him up with you. So it said you yeah, up with him after the fact that you guys already had met. That's he funny. was, he was. At least I have his approval. That's all you need. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So did you, did you get to watch him play at, at the Cape Cod in the, with the anglers or? Okay. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, so I was there all summer that that year. It was that was, was that your was that just you were spectating? You weren't you weren't doing the internship at that point. No, I I think that was after I did the internship the summer after. Cool. Um, and I was starting to look for jobs. I just graduated college, so I was just kind of in the Cape. I was like, this is my last summer here, and I just happened to meet uh, my fiance. So. That's so neat. That's, you know, that's like the perfect love story. You know, like that, that, um, that baseball movie, that one in, it's set in Summer, Cape Catch. Co- Summer Catch. Yeah. yeah. Is that one of your favorites just because it's so personal or, or it's kind of a, I like that it's movie, kind of cheesy, but I though. have to say it, it's not shot in Chatham. There's a couple scenes that are shot there. So some of it, I'm like, ah, oh, that's not the real place. <laughs> and it frustrates me, but overall it's a good movie. Okay. Yeah. I find it a little cheesy, but there are points in the movie. They're like, they're pretty funny. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's cute. Yeah. Um, did you, so Donovan was, he was drafted by the Dodgers then? Yeah. He okay. was drafted in 2017. Do you remember what round? Oh, he's going to be tw- mad at you if you listen to this and you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so he was drafted, I think in like the 20, 20th okay. round. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, I remember seeing that. He was he, that was that's a pretty high draft pick being drafted in the twenties. Like, there's no that. I mean, if you get drafted, I would say like anything before forty <laughs> is you're a great player. If yeah. even, even later than forty, you could still become a great player, but you're kind of a long shot at that point. But yeah, that's that's pretty. He's cool. actually being looked at as a pitcher, which um, he's an outfielder, but he pitched a little bit at BC, and a lot of people wanted him as a pitcher. Oh, okay. but he really wanted to play outfield, so. How's he doing yeah. now with the Dodgers? Um, he's doing awesome. Uh, he's in double A right now. Um, and he's having a really good season so far. That's really cool. Yeah. So what, so the journey of like a minor league player is a lot of like ba- casual baseball fans don't really understand that. It's just like a minor league ball player is being a one is just such a grind. And there, so 
I can imagine from your point of view. I mean, you're trying to support Donovan, and you're, and you're, you're, you know, being a great, you know, significant other. You're trying to support him through this entire grind. I, I would imagine that it's difficult as, a, as, uh, you know, a, a, a fiance, a girlfriend, wife. Like, it. What's the? What are those stories like for the for the for the other women or you know the other people you meet, you know, that are supporting their 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 you know, their significant others through this process. What's that like for that side of the sport? Yeah. Um, so I'm a planner. I like to plan everything I had, okay. um, very organized, like write everything by planner. And I quickly realized <laughs> after he got drafted that that's absolutely just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, like I think there's only been a couple times that I haven't had to change my flight to a completely different state because you get moved up, you get moved around, things like that. Um, for example, I remember a couple summers ago, um, I had a flight booked out there. Um, I was going to go to California when he was in high A and. Oh, he's playing with know, the Quakes, I, wasn't he? Yeah. Okay. I used, mm-hmm. to, I used so, to go to Quakes game all the time when I was a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a, it's a great little field. Uh, oh Tremor, gosh, Tremor the, the mascot. I used yeah. to love him. Yeah. I loved Rancho. It was like one of my favorite places so yeah. far. I grew up and like 20 minutes from there. there. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I was, I was headed out to Rancho and I had my flight booked. Um, I always wait till the last minute to book my flight. Cause I know it's probably going to change. So I, whatever, I had my flight booked, my bags uh, were packed and I went to bed and at three in the morning, I get a phone call from Donovan oh that gosh. he's moving to double A. Oh my gosh. So well, like, good, good, go good news, bad news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was so happy, but I was like, all right, we'll, we'll figure this out. And, uh, I switched my flight and everything, but that's just one of the things that you get used to. Like, um, is it hard to maintain relationships with the other, you know, the other women that are there with you because of the fact that you guys are moving around so much? Um, so not really. I have a lot of really good friends now from, um, the team and, um, some of my closest friends now, but the one thing that kind of stinks is that like they get a couple of my friends got traded. Um, well their fiancés or boyfriends got traded. So, it is tough in that realm where you make really close friends with them. You're with them for like two years and you get really close because you have this connection that it's hard for other people to understand because you have to live this lifestyle that is pretty strange. Um, but then they do get like moved up out of nowhere, traded, you know, things like that. Um, one of my good friends, her fiance just got traded to the Red Sox. So I was bummed that she is not going to be there anymore, but I was happy because I live in Boston. So now we get to see each other when she's in um, in Boston. Very cool. Yeah. So um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, the pandemic was extremely hard on sports in general, but a lot of people don't realize how really difficult it was uh, on you know the lower levels the the minor leagues the g league in basketball just the the people who aren't at the highest level of the sport really suffered a lot of hardship and and were a lot of minor leaguers were like unpaid for extended periods of time and they really had to you know a lot of them there were stories about how they had to find second jobs and everything like that where what was what was the experience for you and donovan like what, what was that you know that long hiatus like for you guys uh yeah um i actually remember um the day that everything started to close down and I was like, there's no way they're going to send these guys home. Like right. they don't do that kind of thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he called me, he was like, all right, I'm coming home. It was crazy because they, they really don't get sent anywhere besides baseball season when it's baseball season. So I couldn't believe it, but um, yeah, it was, 
it was tough, but he had the chance to like work really hard on his own. And, um, he saw somebody, he's from New Jersey. So he saw somebody every day they worked, uh, together on like, um, all the baseball things, hitting and working out, running all that stuff. That's very cool. Yeah. So some people were capitalizing it more than others. And you know, it's it's showing Donovan's, I I looked up his stats before, before hopping on the podcast, he's doing really good this year. So it's showing that the hard work is paying off. Yeah. He's having a great year. So exactly. I think he worked so hard during that huge chunk of time that he could have just been relaxing. So it it really is showing, showing in his um, season this year. Yeah, there was, I mean, there were players at the highest level that were examples of, you know, the long hiatus really giving them struggle because during the season last year for Major League Baseball, obviously there was no minor leagues, but a lot of the major leaguers were struggling be, like very unexpectedly. Like, I mean, there was guys like on the Blue Jays, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., for example, off the top of my head, mm-hmm. he like we talked about how he had nowhere to train when he had to go home during the pandemic. And yeah. he just didn't, he, he put weight on and just wasn't himself during the season. Um, even with the Red Sox, I think Devers had a very uncharacteristically poor season with the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, so it's it was kind of a luck of the draw, or not really that, but it was just kind of everybody's circumstances were unique during that whole craziness of the pandemic. And and so right. while you know the significance of sports, I guess, would be put on the back burner during something that's just so intense and, and crazy throughout our country, but like really had a really through the entire sports industry, a major curveball, right? Yeah. I actually forgot at the very beginning, there was nowhere for them to work out really. Everything was closed at first. So that part was tough. And then, um, he and my brother would go around and try to find fields that were open, but even like outdoor fields, (laughs) they wouldn't work out on them. Uh, my younger brother. Oh, yeah, okay, Sean. okay. I was yeah. like, I was like, Bill's still throwing the the, the old baseball around. <laughs> Not yet. He's no, he's retired. I think. Yeah, I haven't been playing myself, so I know yeah. how, I don't know how that works. Once you once you lose that intensity, it's it's hard to get it back. At least from my my personal yeah. experience. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's yeah. re- that's neat though. I, I'm really I'm glad that he's doing really well this season. Is is he is he in double? You said he's in double A right now. Yep, he's what, in double A. What are kind of his his goals for the season? Do you know? Um, he's just working really hard. I think just trying to take day at a time. Yeah. Be awesome. If he was moved up, um, you know, the Dodgers are so stacked, so I know everyone's, it's, everyone's well, good. Well, the good news team. is, I mean, the Dodgers have a really deep farm system, but a lot of their major talent from my understanding is in the pitching position. So he has an yeah. opportunity to, if, you know, if he continues this hot streak, he has an opportunity within the next couple of years, I would say, I would guess that, you know, he would be maybe be able to debut or at least the, I mean, the Dodgers are always such uh strate- strategists. They're always, you know, yeah. trying to find the next best value they can. He might even get traded for something and he might be a good player for somebody else. But I mean, it's, if he keeps playing like this, I, I'm, I'm looking, I'm keeping an eye on, on him. I'm, I think he's, I think he's got some, some good promise. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing well. Very cool. So I, I'm sorry, I, I'm getting carried away talking about Donovan because I, I love <laughs> That's okay. I love baseball. Um, let me ask you though. Let's let's, let's kind of you know move into something else because more personal for you because during the pandemic, not only was I mean sports hit hard, but you you were working as a teacher. So tell me like what that was like. So were you doing the Zoom the Zoom teaching? Were you adjusting to that? What was that kind of experience for you like? Yeah. So right when everything closed, um, back in March of last year, uh, we did go online. Um, and so I teach ages three years old to six years old. Okay. 
Oh, so, so real youngins. <laughs> yeah. So that was really tough because they're three and four yeah. and five. So the attention span over a Zoom call is going to be tough. Right. And they had never done anything like that before, and neither have I. So um it was it was hard. Um and we got through that year and then um this summer we my school worked really hard to come up with a reopening plan and we were open all year this year. So um we were in person all year and uh we didn't have to close or anything. It was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So did you uh how what made you want to get into teaching though? So like I know you had your eye on coming out of college, you had your eye on a lot of different things. Um were you kind yeah. of what made you, you know, draw, get drawn into teaching? Was it your grandfather? Like you said, how he's a professor at BC or what was that experience yeah. like? So I actually come from a family of educators. Like my grandfather was a professor, but all my aunts were teachers of young children. My mom was a high school English teacher. Um, and then my dad is now a superintendent, but he's been a teacher, a principal, oh, wow. assistant principal, all of that. So I think I was like a little naturally in born into it. it. Yeah. <laughs> at first I was like, I'm going to try something different. I had a regular office job right out of college. And then halfway through, I was like, this isn't for me. I need to, I need to just accept my fate as a teacher. <laughs> and go for it. That's really, I mean, I, I can relate. I mean, my mom all my life has been in education as well. She's an assistant superintendent um, nice. in, in, in one of the LA school districts, but uh, I know what you mean. Cause actually my, my younger sister is doing something very similar. She's still in that denial phase where she's yeah. doing it. She's teaching, but she also is like, she, she it's not exactly her major passion. She might want to tra- transition eventually into, she wants to get into like TV writing or something like that. But um, uh-huh. sometimes, you know, if you're good at it, you know, that's sometimes you, you gotta you know, embrace your calling. Cause if, it, if you're good at something, it, it sometimes it makes it more enjoyable, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really is so enjoyable. And even with this year, it was, it was really tough, but, um, I think it was just so worth it in the end. Like the kids got to be in school in person and it's really what they needed. They were, they're so young. Um, they need that connection. So yeah. it was awesome. Well, did you have any like special techniques that you had to try to implement to, you know, be able to teach in a different fashion? Yeah, they, I mean, we had to try to keep them apart as much as possible. They're kids. So they want to hug each other yeah. and hug me. And they were actually really good with, wearing their masks all year, um, which was awesome. I mean, they're so resilient, but, uh, now that the mask mandate is a little less intense, it's just so nice to see them like take their mask off outside. And they're just so thrilled about it. And it almost brought me to tears. Cause I was like, this is, it's just, it's stinks that they have to be so excited about just taking their mask off, but it's just so nice that it's like finally, you know, moving towards a better direction, hopefully. Totally. So let me ask you this. I I like to ask a lot of guests, you know, part of my podcast is like mostly about sports, but also I like to, you know, bring in the career aspects of things and try to offer some advice to either college students or recent graduates and stuff like that. So for a a young college student or a person who has recently graduated, considering getting into education, what kind of like attributes or, or, you know, traits of an individual do you think are like breed successful teachers in education? Yeah. Oh What's my the gosh, type of person? What have you found that is like, you know, successful for you? Yeah. So there's just, I feel like there's so many kinds of people that can be successful, especially in like early education. Um, the teacher across the hall from me is the exact opposite of me. So <laughs> she's just like vibrant and, you know, ex- excited every day and, um, singing out loud. And then I would describe my teaching style as like 
calm and patient and um, loving and whatnot. But I don't think that you have to have a certain way to teach. I think both ways are great. Other ways are great too. But I think it's just really, you have to, you have to love it because there are days that are hard and um, long, but it's always, for me, at least it's always worth it. You have such a great connection with these young people who honestly, I learn from every single day. So if it's something you love and you just go all in and keep learning too, like I still, I'm taking classes. I take professional development all the time because you can never learn too much about, you know, how to, how to work with kids. That's awesome. Yeah. Always, you know, looking to improve every day is something you could, you could apply that to anything in life. You know what I mean? So it's really cool. I like it. All right. That's going to do it here for episode 68 of vicious talk with Benny P. Unfortunately, we did we did have a vicious minute trivia segment with Mary recorded, but the audio was actually damaged, wasn't able to use it, um, so I can't include it here on the podcast. Unfortunately, had a lot of fun recording it with Mary. We'll have we'll have to bring her back on, maybe with Donovan, her fiance, maybe her husband at that point, and we'll be able to do maybe another vicious minute segment with her and Donovan. Um, you know, have a lot of fun with it again, Mary. Thanks. Once again, for joining me for this podcast, I had a lot of fun bringing you on and speaking with you, catching up. It's been too long. Definitely uh, one of my favorite things about Vicious Talk is staying in touch with some old friends like Mary. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Vicious Talk with Benny P on all your podcast platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, run them all. Please also visit allthingsanalysis.com as well as our YouTube channel, All Things Analysis on YouTube. We have a lot of fun things on the upcoming docket, especially football season right around the corner after the summer. We have a lot of legwork going into the research and, and, and analysis for our upcoming football, fantasy football season, gambling advice. We're going to pick it back up. We did really well with that last year, Connor and I doing our weekly podcast. We're, we're going to try to get, try to continue to do that once again for the 2021-22 season. So definitely get amped up for that. I hope you all be as excited as I am. All right, that's going to do it here for episode 68 of Vicious Talk with Benny P. Remember to ask yourself at the end of the day, are you vicious? Yeah.